Welcome back to the Proho Podcast, a conversation series breaking down all of the shit, religious, cultural, social constructs that are preventing black and brown folks from living out their best sexual liberties. I'm your host, Penda, and today I'm joined by rapper extraordinaire, New York City's finest self-described as hip-hop's Omar Little from The Wire, only prettier. Y'all, we're going to break that shit down for real. <laughs> New York City hip-hop artist, Ra Ra Gabor. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm well, how are you? Good. I'm so excited to have you here. But first of all, let's break down that Omar Little, mm-hmm. because... I think he's honestly one of the most complex and my favorite characters on TV of yes. all time. So how do you identify with his character? Um, I mean, you know, Omar was just kind of like unapologetically himself. Um, he was unafraid. He's in the hood, you know. So I relate to that a lot um, as a queer person, as a trans woman, um, and kind of just like his character really resonated with me when I saw it on TV. So, I don't know, it just made sense for me because I felt like, you know, I was in the same kind of life in a lot of ways. I mean, I wasn't robbing people, but, you know, definitely just some things. So, I um, I really, I really relate to that character, and that's just how my, I kind of, like, chose that. Was he the first representation of yourself that you feel like you saw of yourself in the media? No, not, I mean, I wouldn't even really say so much of, like, he was, like, a representation of myself. But there were parts of him that I really related to, you know? So I related to the fact that he was, again, himself in uh, an environment that would typically, like, be seen as, like, not okay for him to be in. So he was like, look, I'm gay. Like, I have a boyfriend. I'm moving around these streets. I'm robbing these drug dealers. I'm not afraid of them. I'm standing up to them just like, you know? So it kind of, like, I always kind of, like, felt like that, you know? I just am not moved by the people around me like in a fearful way dope and as you know that was more than 10 years ago right the wire Mm -hmm. so today in the media do you still see characters that you feel that connection to not that kind of connection um there are definitely characters that i do um you know relate to a lot in the media um across the spectrums um but omar for me was really the one because it was real gangster i mean i haven't really seen I would love to see, like, another, like, gangster, but I would love to see, like, a gangster trans woman. Yes. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, on TV, because we out here. So, you know? <laughs> You're like, hello, me. Yeah. Book me. <laughs> but I was listening to your music, and I went back even as early as, like, 2013 oh to Ask one of your oh one of your songs. God. And I was reading the lyrics, and I was like, okay, damn, like, we are, I was like, can I say this on the podcast? Can I read these lyrics? But I just wanted to know, um your lyrics really take listeners on this sexual journey. Like yeah. you are so liberated, you're so free, you're mm-hmm. confident. And I just want to know, how did you arrive to this? And does it reflect your everyday personal life? Huh, let's see. How did I arrive at sexual liberation? Um, I think like I wasn't really like raised in a household that was like really like strict in, in terms of like expression or in terms of like religion or something like that. Like I did have, I was raised by a 5% and my father's a 5%er. So there was that kind of like machismo stuff going on, but he very much let me be myself because one of the things about being a 5%er, one of the, I guess, tenants you could say is um, just finding yourself and having knowledge of self. So he allowed me to just be myself and just go on this journey. You know, obviously it wasn't like a lot and suck dick, but it was definitely, you know, like, I'm not going to tell you who you can and cannot be. I'm going to allow you to be yourself and allow you to come to, you know, your own conclusions about who you are. Um, And so, like, I think that piece really, like, you know, 
shaped the way I moved throughout the world. Um, and then musically, it was like Little Kim. It was Foxy Brown, you know, who I was, like, obsessed with since I was, like, seven years old. And so... You know, just their, like, very, like, bold sexuality and just in-your-face um, kind of shit. But it still wasn't gratuitous, you know what I mean? And I, I, that's kind of, like, how I always wanted to, like, come across in my music. I'm like, look, I'm going to talk my nasty shit, but it's still going to be dope. It's not just going to be like, fuck me, fuck me, fuck me, you know? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I feel you. And I think it's so interesting that you said you didn't really have, you had a family that was supportive yeah. of this. Because I think for a lot of black people, when the more we dive into it, it's like, oh, you know, I have all these religious constructs that I've been taught to uphold that my family was like, okay, it's shameful to have multiple partners or mm -hmm. that sex should be only reserved for monogamous mm -hmm. relationships or marriage or even in society when we deem black women as being aggressive or dominant. And that lends itself to us not having so much ease and confidence as we go Go through life um, as sexual beings so I think it's really telling and special and unique that you were raised in a family that was like yeah do you we yeah support I mean, you. it was definitely within reason though don't I mean I'm not gonna act like it wasn't there weren't like you know tumultuous moments there wasn't turbulence there absolutely was um but for the most part yeah it wasn't that tale of like you know you have to be this way, you have to do this, you know? They were pretty much understanding. I mean, I had my rocky patches. My father and I are having a rough patch right now, actually, um, because he was a lot more accepting of me as a gay man, you know, in his eyes, and he was more open to me being like, you know, you're still a man, you're still this, whatever, whatever, whatever. But when I started to tell him, like, look, no, I'm actually a woman, like, that's not what this is at all. That was when we started to have like um, a little bit more attention, um, and I think that that is also rooted just in misogyny and fear and all those kinds of things. Um, but not, I mean, I don't know. It's just it's it's very it's very weird because he's still very loving and still affectionate. It's just that he's unable to kind of like wrap his head around, um, you know, my transness. Right. And since, um, so your latest single is Candy, yes. right? That came out in 2017. Well, that, it's not the latest Late. single, but it's the latest, yes, it's the latest song that is like um, on the DSPs. Okay, we? yes. Okay. So how does, how do you think you've changed since, for example, Askquake to Candy? Um, I mean, my life has changed. I, you know, I transitioned socially and publicly um, and you know, let the world know who I was, you know, fully before I was holding back some of who I was. Um, I was still kind of like afraid to tell everyone that I was trans for a long time. Um, and so like that, that's gone. <laughs> um, like I'm out here. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, the music has changed also too. It's like, it's just a lot more introspective. It's a lot more, um, honest. It's a lot more, um, raw in the sense that um like i said the mask is off um and it's just it's liberated <laughs> i honestly when i first to be completely honest i listened to it and i didn't go in with any you know preconceived yeah. notions ideas of what this is going to be and like when the beat drops and it's so trapped like i understand like i am asking you about omar honesty. little but like i already knew i already felt that yeah from listening to that song so i i understand and it's it's just like a beautiful juxtaposition like it's trapped but then it's also i'm like damn like this is sexy and sensual it's and cunt. feminine it's cunt <laughs> I, I i fucking ride with it i really love it thank you um so i think one thing that's becoming more apparent as um mental health is becoming less stigmatized is that you know people are more equipped to identify uh specific traumas that have led them 
you know, to how they navigate sex and love and relationships mm-hmm. as adults specifically. So um, I want to know in your personal life and your dating and sexual life, can you identify like what traumas that you've experienced that maybe show themselves or are apparent in your dating life? Um, I just think that like the affection, you know, from men, you know, in a way, uh, accepting me for my womanhood, I think exact is kind of where I get wrapped up in it, you know, because like I was always read as like this fat, like gay boy, you know, by like the people who didn't really know me. And so once I like, you know, started to kind of like transition publicly and like allow people to know like what was actually going on with me. And I started to like see guys like that were actually like into the kind of girl that I was I was more, I was, now I'm desirable, you know? I was never the desired gay friend. I was always the darker, fatter, you know, friend. Ooh, shout darkness. Um, So, you know, when, uh, you know, like my best friend is really like, you know, thin, light-skinned, I'm sorry. This, uh, he's this really thin, light-skinned, you know, cis man. Um, And, you know, we would go out to clubs and stuff early on and he would get all the attention and all that kind of stuff. And it was like, all right, cool. And I just was feeling like worthless, you know, like in terms of like, you know, but I always, I was confident in myself, but in those queer spaces, I just never felt accepted. I never felt confident. Um, But then when I, when I, like I said, when I started to transition and men were just like, you're fat. Like, what are you talking about? Like, where you know like there's this it's totally different um i'm seen through a different lens and i think that um it's 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 it makes me feel good but at the same time it's kind of like why do i need to feel like you are are like um accepting me or why do i need to feel desired by you um and it's something that i do feign you know i need a fiend for so it's just like right like where's the it's where's troubling. the root of needing to be accepted? Yeah, I don't know where. I mean, I I don't know if it, I guess it comes from you know my father not um, fully embracing you know my womanhood and the fact that these men who are strangers do, or at least they act like they do. Um, that kind of you know it it makes it easy to get wrapped up. Oh, definitely. And the colorism is so real. I always had people saying, oh, you're so pretty for a dark skin mm. girl, et cetera, et cetera. And I was Child. like, you know, <laughs> what what are we doing? Out right. Here? But I do agree that a lot of it, at least for me, my intimacy, um, I won't say that they're issues because mm-hmm. they're not. They're things I'm working through. Yeah. But a lot of it does come from acceptance or attention from my or lack thereof from my father, who um, I think... I know loved me in the most special way and showed love through ways of cooking and food, et cetera, but never really was affectionate in terms of saying, I love you or kissing or hugging. And I think those things definitely reveal themselves in the way that I'm able to attach myself to men or navigate these relationships or spaces or how I can be attached and detached as easily as quickly. Yeah, yeah same. It's... um. It's really interesting, and, I, and I'm grateful that people, especially black people now, are like, oh, yeah, I'm going to therapy. I'm working through this shit, mm-hmm. and I'm Which able to do. Yes, <laughs> me too. Me too. It's on my list. It's on. It's top of my list. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I know that you were really affected by the case of the Bronx student who, was, um, uh, who fatally stabbed his classmate after mm-hmm. homophobic slurs, and I just wanted to know how what you're feeling about that and how it relates to your upcoming project, which I think is focused more on... Um, to sex politics and how mm-hmm. what what is your new project focusing on and how are you affected by uh, these vulnerable communities 
you know, losing losing people. I mean, it definitely deeply affects me. Um, uh, I didn't really, like I said, like my my story, you know, growing up, I actually was, so I was not necessarily accepted in the queer community, right, in terms of like desire. Um, but I was absolutely kind of like, okay amongst, you know, the straights and all that kind of thing. Um, there were a couple of people, of course, who would, you know, of course, fuck with me, but I was always very tough. Um, because I was socialized the way that my father was made me socialize, like he he forced me, like he was like, you want to do gymnastics? Cool. You want to do drill team? Cool. You want to do all that? Cool. But you're also going to play football. You're also going to play basketball. You're also going to have relationships with men um, and understand how to have a camaraderie with them. So I always like I was good with the boys you know I was good with the girls um but I know people who weren't you know and I know that they lacked you know the voice and they lacked the kind of like the courage almost to kind of like speak out against these things they would just a lot of these things that happened so I was kind of the person I would bully the bullies like I would talk shit to people who would bother people I would stand up for people um was knocking niggas out you know so those kinds of things <laughs> you know where I, th- that was that was like that was like my youth um so when the situation happened with the Belsedano in the Bronx um it definitely affected me too because I'm like I'm fearful that that's gonna be me one day like there I try to avoid physical things in my you know as an adult because I'm like look I don't want to have to kill someone you know because that is a a possibility because it feels like you're gonna take me out whatever and when you're dealing with when you're dealing with that kind of stress every day when you're going to school and people are picking on as you a, yeah as a young adult you don't even know it's hard you are it's really horrible and I mean I'm very thankful like I said that I really didn't have that experience but to witness it and to see it happening to people um that I did know and that I did see it happen to I would always speak up for them and so candy for me was me speaking up in that way kind of like showing like look all of us ain't about to sit here and let you play in our face. Everybody's not about to let you, you know, disrespect them, put your hands on them, you know, jump them, kill them. You know, you will get taken out first in a lot of instances, so you need to chill. So it is a very sad situation, you know. I do feel sorry for the young man that lost his life, but at the same time, it's like, look, you got to leave people alone. And I just hope it is a lesson to a lot of people to, like, chill, you know. I think it really sucks, though. I think that they recently convicted him. Um, so yeah, I read that. Which yeah, is... so that that really fucked me up. Um, but I mean, what are you gonna do? This world hates people. You know, this world hates people specifically that are queer, that are fucking women, that are not white. Um, and so it's just, I mean, what are you gonna do? And speaking on that, I feel like um, you know I can't speak on this experience specifically, but saying that people hate people who are different or queer, or black or brown bodies. How do you navigate being both, right? Because I think obviously being black and has its own mm-hmm, absolutely. set of qualms, and then being queer again. So how have you been able to blend the two together? Do you ex- do you feel like you you exist as both, or do you feel like you're still trying to find how you fit into each category? I know I definitely exist as both. As both, I'm a black woman. Period. Like I, that's it. Like I live my life as a black woman. I walk out in the world. I'm black. I'm queer. It is what it is. Like I. I just do it. <laughs> I mean, they're like, I am. I, I, just, I, am. I just am. I just exist. Um, 
nothing's gonna stop me from existing, you know, um, until someone tries to like take me out. Hopefully, it doesn't happen. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, I'm not stopping. I'm not hiding from anybody. I'm not not going to the grocery store. I'm not not going to the mall. I'm not not going to the movies or out to eat or any of those things. I mean, and I see the gawking and all the things, but I pay it. Right. <laughs> like it's literally like, okay, you know, until someone opens their mouth or says something that I don't like. Then it gets addressed. But, I mean, feel how you want to feel. I don't give a fuck. So you don't shrink yourself? Because I feel like absolutely a lot of us not. do that. No. Absolutely. I'm a Taurus. <laughs> There's no such thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that. I'm a Pisces. So we're a little, you know, a little I know. more fluid. Yeah. Yeah. My little sister's a Pisces. And my oldest sister's a Pisces. So I get it. I get it. I get it. <laughs> So, but I still didn't hear about the upcoming project. What What is it? What are you working on? Yeah, so my newest project is, it's it's in the works. It's almost done. We're about to drop it. And then I want to say too much about it because, you know, we're kind of like doing that kind of like surprise kind of situation, <laughs> yes. you know. But um, it's, again, it's a project that is, I, I would describe it as very grown. It's very grown me. It's very actualized me. Um, you know my other music I mean I love my other music but I listen to it and I'm like mm. like you know it's a little cringy like you mentioned Ass Quick and I mean I love that record um, but it's, it just reminds me of a time when I was a lot less actualized you know what I'm saying so I'm, of course. I'm in a space currently um, where my music to me I'm, I'm doing things I'm, I'm getting more into the musicality of music making um more into you know uh more skilled songwriting you know those are the things that i'm focused on like i got bars for days and all that but i'm trying to like work on like structure and all that stuff and yeah that's refining this, this new project is very much that okay i'm really excited i'm excited about that but yeah. okay as someone so confident this is um a question that people always ask me especially and your energy is very vivacious and i can only imagine in the bedroom <laughs> perhaps that you know transfers yeah. over or maybe not i don't know i feel like i'm kind of dominant in real life and then in then the bedroom i'm like oh take me daddy so i don't know you know dumb submissive you uh -huh. know we have like dualities all yeah. day but um i wonder like what's one of your sex insecurities and then on the flip side what's something that's on your bucket list Sex insecure? What do you mean? I don't know. I don't think I'm insecure about anything in sex. I mean, <laughs> I just have my, like, my do's and my don'ts kind yeah. of things. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, but I'm not. Listen, it's a power trip. <laughs> sex with me so amazing. <laughs> like we said. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> not to, I'm not even trying to gas it, but it is. So, um, I honestly, okay, here's one of my sex insecurities. I... Can we get really explicit? Yes, okay. please. <laughs> okay, so I mentioned recently, right? Like, so I don't ever go fuck at another guy's house. Like, he has to come over to me. Oh, my gosh. And so there, it's twofold, right? So on the first hand, it's I want to have the home court advantage in case someone is ever trying to Like, be, get out, yeah. Yeah, you know? Um, like, crazy or whatever. But then the other thing is I get super wet. And so I don't want to wet anyone's furniture, anyone's beds. Not it, even beds, their furniture. It's, it's ridiculous. So I just, you know, but it's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, so at your own house, you know, you know how to clean up. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's that's my, I think I'm, I'm insecure about it, yeah. but I'm also kind of like, it's lit. You know what I mean? But it's, 
it's one of those things that I'm like, yeah, I'm not coming over your house. I mean, better wet than dry, honey. Oh, absolutely. So, you know. <laughs> um, and bucket list. Hmm. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> no, wait, going back though to the insecurity thing. Hilarious. No, we are we are going to talk about this bucket list. I'm sweating but... now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the opposite. I feel like I always want to go to their house because I feel like then I have the advantage. It's like I can sneak out. I don't have to spend the night. I can sleep, yeah. like sneak out. I don't have to do the awkward wake up. Like, how mm-hmm. do I look? It's what, what's happening? Morning breath. I'm like totally insecure about that. And then that's how I know it's real. If I'm like, okay, y'all yeah, spend the night. And then I'm staying there and the sun's still up and I'm still next to you. I'm like, oh, I guess right. I kind of have feelings. Uh-huh. Um, So I'm the opposite. And I feel like if I really like you, then I'm like, oh, yeah, come over. You can sleep your head on my silk pillowcase okay <laughs> yeah i mean you know no one gets well, I, I said furniture for a reason eventually because no one only only very few people get to be in my bed that's not a space for people you know um that i'm not like into like i have to be really really into you in order for you to be in my bed same um otherwise you get the couch <laughs> I'm not. I'm not like you get the couch, but I'm like, oh, so I, mean, I, I have the couch. early morning. <laughs> no, I don't mean sleep on the couch. I mean you get. You have to get the action on the couch. Got it's you. Not got you. Yeah. Got you. Got you. Okay, bucket list. Oh God, it's the gangbang, girl. Period. <sighs> the end. <laughs> <laughs> the end. <laughs> that is absolutely. Okay, the how thing. we gonna make this happen? Though? Oh, I mean, look, I, I don't know. I don't know. I try to get. I, I tried to get, you know, my faves together and um, they're also scared, which is also weird to me because I'm like, look, don't you want to meet other guys who share your desires so that y'all can like actually like talk about this sometimes and like, because I mean, it's no, I mean, a lot of the guys that I deal with are absolutely like, you know, very much in- insecure about who they are and like closeted about being like into trans women or into men or whatever. So I mean, it is what it is, but I'm always like, look, you're not by yourself. Like, there's a lot of people like you. Um, and they're always like, no, 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 no. I don't want to meet nobody. I don't want to do that. So I'm just like, all right. But I have a couple in mind who are a little bit open-minded. You know, I'm working on them. You working? But that's, I feel like that's such a true fact is people are so secretive about their desires, right? Yeah. It's, and it's like, I think it's more apparent in black communities mm-hmm. of people who don't want to like say how freaky they are i'm mm-hmm. like i know all y'all are freaks out here absolutely and and if you're not or whatever in whatever capacity we never speak up about our desires and we and then we're left unsatisfied and saying like oh it was mediocre sex or you know this wasn't great or i'm not fucking with this person because of this and that but like did you actually express that were you communicative so i think that's such an issue that we feel closeted in what we want and yeah. asking for what we want but i think obviously it has a lot to do with misogyny and the patriarchy like there's it's there's a whole trickle so down effect of us not embracing sexuality and um but it's it's unfortunate and i think that's why i started this podcast it's like oh i just want people to talk about sex like yeah. let's we're all fucking so why yeah. aren't we just talking about it and maybe people will be like oh shit yeah okay there is a space for me out here like there are people who like I what know. i like i mean because i even be scared to say i got i want a gangbang you know what i'm but saying I have, I have my own qualms about saying it out loud you know so i definitely i get it and it's because it's been looked at as so taboo you know it's like oh you're such a whore or whatever and even when i tell guys that you know because then they're like damn, I'm not enough for you. And I'm like, it's not that you're not enough. 
let's just have some fun. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That is my story. I dated a voyeur though, and he wanted to watch me have sex with someone else, and I just like could not mentally wrap my brain around yeah, it. I'm not see that. I'm not into. If you're in the room, you need to be a participant. I'm not into you sitting back and being weird and watching. That shit freaks me out. Exactly. And with someone, it was like a friend of his. I was like, um, I so you gonna watch your friend? Fuck me. And you just gonna, I I don't know. I was and for me it was like, oh wow, like I'm not enough. Or yeah. why do you feel like you want to share me? If you love me, why do you want to share me? Mm-hmm. You know. And I think that was years ago. Now I I have evolved and I can understand perhaps his personality. I don't think I'm the person for that type of sexual situation, but I just really didn't understand why it made me feel so inadequate. Yeah. And I didn't understand why, you know, or there were times when we were like still dating, we weren't really together yet. And, you know, it was a very unhealthy relationship, but I would say things like, okay, well, if you're not going to see me tonight, then like, I'm going to go see this other person. He's Mm -hmm. like, okay, yeah, go fuck him. Then come, come to me and I'll fuck you. And I was like, wait, no, this is backfiring. I was just, I was trying to use that against you. And now you're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. And I was like, wow, I, my brain was not evolved enough to deal with this person. Niggas is nasty. Period. He literally said, okay, go with him. Okay. Should we take some calls from our audience, from our listeners? Yeah, sure. Okay, let's let's hear what they have to ask. So my question is this. Um, Do women have an acceptable minimum amount of time for sex before they consider the guy to be a lame or like a, a two-minute level, you know, like, uh, what is the least amount of time? I mean, obviously, um, optimally, you, you know, get them to orgasm, but um, besides that. Okay, so he's asking, what is the minimum amount of time before you're labeled a two-minute man? What do you think? Two minutes. I mean, <laughs> I think the, the question, he answered his own question. I mean, listen, I'm look, I am one of those people, right? I don't like I don't need you to fuck me for two hours straight. Oh hell no. Mm-mm. I'm good on all of that. Like I'm Same. good for I'm good, you know. Fuck me good. And let it be it has to you know, let it be let it be over soon though. You know, I don't need it to be. So I'm good with a nice little fifteen, twenty minute session, but if it's less than that and if I don't get off, then that's how. Um, but then also too, like there markers for me like um you know my niggas need to be rock when they when they come in the door i don't like to have to get you ready and all that other kind of quest corny to me you know i'm gonna be sucking on a soft dick for five minutes and all that's whack so <laughs> you know i'm not trying to i'm not i'm not trying to get you so if you come in here if you have like um but that'll be listen this is it sounds so bad when i say these things out loud listen <laughs> Only because, look, I just don't... I don't want to shame anyone for any of the things they have going on that may be, like, medical or physical, like, you know, detriment. Mental. Or mental or whatever. But I don't like when you can't get it up or, you know, can't keep it up because it's not even so much about you. It makes me feel like I'm not doing something. You know what I mean? Because I'm so used to bang, bang, you know? So it's just... (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It can affect your confidence. You're like, why why am I not pleasuring your... Making I, you attracted to me, and I also I, I don't like when niggas take too long to come. So it's like a it has to be a happy. Yeah, medium. there's a fine there's a fine line. <laughs> two minutes. I mean, obviously, two minutes, man. That's short. not that's yeah. short. But again, I don't, I'm not like over here. I don't want it to be like thirty minutes later. I'm like faking 
sounds and moans and, and it's just kind of like okay we we let's just take a break yeah we can try again later perhaps but as I'm getting older also realizing like I was having this epiphany the other day I was like wow sex does not have to end in orgasm right you know what I mean for me it does I mean I mean it's sex right it sex is, is sex it the is, act is happening yes but the the climax isn't necessarily but yay. does that I feel like a lot with men that I've had sex with after they come it's like okay oh, oh okay done we're here I'm gonna go shower yeah and it's like okay but what if and even if I have orgasm what if I still want to keep going what if you I still need you to keep pleasuring me like I feel like there's always it's this so expectation for men that's like after they orgasm that is the end of the experience I think that I think that's I mean look if that's what you want I like my niggas to want to please me so if he is saying to me look babe what you want to do you want to go another round then that's what we doing but you I, I need you to I, I would like <laughs> for you to have the capability of going rounds you know if I so choose to do that because I might want to take a break and then we might want to get back at it again in another 15 minutes you know so but that those are fun you know guys with a lot of stamina are fun yes. but the not it's such an ego thing for me I like to make niggas come you know what me I'm saying? I'm, like, <laughs> I'm a pleaser. I'm a pleaser as well. I am a pleaser. So it's a thing for me. So it if it doesn't happen, I feel very ungratified. And I feel like I didn't do what I was supposed to do. And I don't like it. I mean, I have a guy who's really into me. He, love, like, he loves my dirty drawers. He's into me. Um, but he does not like to come. And so it's this push-pull kind of like thing that we have all the time when we have sex. Because the dick is fucking bomb. But I'm like, nigga, you are going to give me that nut before you leave. Like, I'm not into you walking up out of here without, you know, coming. But for him, when he comes, he feels depleted. Like, he has a lot of stamina. He's very athletic and, you know, all those things. But he he just feels, like, very, like, weak when he comes. And, I mean, I get it because it is a feeling, you know, of, like, you know. But, look, I don't know. It's just, it's, a, it's, a, it's an ego thing for me. I think so. I think that's... And I think for for women to, since we have, you know, been subjected to not always orgasming <laughs> and not always being pleased mm-hmm. that um, we do need some type of climax to signify like, okay, this was a, this was a beneficial experience for both of us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's take another question. Mm-hmm. Hi, Panda. I have a question for you as a pro home expert. I used to date a guy who used to use a, a penis and also a pump. And I was wondering what you think about those um, tools or equipment, whatever you want to call them. Do they actually work? Are they effective? I actually thought he had a big penis, so I didn't think he needed it. But he would use the pump and the, the ring. And I thought it was a little strange. So I was curious your insight. Thank you. Bye. You got a little choppy there, but they were asking, uh, they're involved with someone who's using a cock ring and a penis pump mm-hmm. to enlarge their penis, and that was her first time. But she thought his penis was sizable enough, so she was curious if that has worked, mm-hmm. if you've experienced it. Mm-hmm. I have never personally had anyone pull out a pump in front of me. I don't think they work. You know, I, I've never, I've never seen a guy use a pump in front of me. I don't, I don't even know if I've known a guy to actually own one. But, I mean, I fucked a lot of gay niggas, so I have absolutely seen niggas wear cock rings before. 
Um, they're cool. It's not really my thing. You know, I'm not really like, eh, it weirds me out. I, it, all that extra, like, um, leather, ring, cock rings, pumps, poppers, those things are they're kind of weird for me. I've seen, um, like, in porn, cock rings that vibrate. So that, Yes, like, this is one of the ones okay. I've yeah. mm-hmm. you've, you, you've used. The first thing you've used. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's fun. <laughs> I mean, it, it feels good. It you feels know? good. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> I've never used it. But I really don't think that there's any trick to enlarging anyone's penis, right? Like, that, that a pump is not, does it work? The pumps, from what I've seen, I, they just, like, swell it up. It's just, like, it's a blood, the yeah, blood pressure to one area. Because that's really all it is. It's like a lot of blood pushing through, and it's just a boom, you know. And I think he just gets engorged, and that's it. But but I'm gonna need you to take it to the bathroom or something. You get it together. It sounds. Do you painful. do it in front of? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds painful. It sounds looks. It looks scary. Like I've seen it on like like the the sites and things, but it always freaks me out. So I don't know. I'm not sure. Me neither. I think I'm gonna skip that. Yeah for next time sorry babes sorry well I hope that <laughs> answered your questions people who are listening or who called in to ask that mm-hmm. um, I wanted to know if there's anything that you wanted to leave our listeners with today a word a lyric um, what can we expect from Rara like what 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 is a word of wisdom get yours you know during sex get yours and I mean also make sure your partner is getting theirs you know I'm a pleaser, you know? So I like to, I find pleasure in pleasing, but I also find pleasure in being pleased. Um, And I think that that it should be for everybody. You know, I don't think it should be a one-sided thing. I think that selfish partners suck. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not into it. Um, But shout out to those people who are into that, you know? So yeah. Can we give your phone number out for that gangbang? Anyone that? no! Niggas can hit me up on IG though. It's, Sliding it's them Twitter, DM. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and um, to circle back to the beginning of our conversation before before I let you go, mm-hmm. I just wanted to know how do you think that we can start to restore justice to communities that have been treated unfairly? By, it begins with respect. You know what I mean? I know it sounds so cliche, but it's, it's just really true. You just have to like, we have to work on people learning to respect each other, you know, and respect people for who they are and not being so caught up and just wrapped up in shit that we've been taught and holding on to these bullshit ass, like, you know, things. Cause that's all it is. When you let go of like the dumb shit that you were like inundated with growing up is when you start to see the world in a whole new light, you know? I mean, it's a process that I think we all go through. Um, but I think that it's not something that is, um, that is like actually like said enough like let go of like a lot of that old ways of thinking like that shit is it's not serving anyone (laughs) it's especially not serving people who are on the margins um and you know who are getting like the tail end of all this or the front end of all this like fucking violence um physically and emotionally definitely i've been thinking and reading a lot about the question of like how do we raise sexually liberated children and I think mm-hmm. a lot of it has to do with obviously um, letting our children be who they are yeah. as adolescents because that's when you experience love and sex and dating and relationships and it transfers into our adult life so I'm, I'm definitely getting into that more and researching more about it but I do think it's about letting shit go and that's like a very um, novice like not novice but that's like yeah, easier said than done yeah, obviously it sounds right? so basic but it really is what it is like that's 
it is like let it go like y'all are holding on to all this dumb shit for what <laughs> like who cares like i love that yeah. the the woman who started the gender reveal parties <laughs> she fucking gagged everyone she was like yeah so that's dumb that's over that's canceled wait i don't know what this wait what okay so you know gender reveal parties yes. are like when people say boy or girl whatever whatever she recently the person the woman who started it she like made this long post on social media where she was like i was wrong like we should i wasn't thinking when i decided that we should do these things like it's actually harmful she literally invented like the idea of yeah the party. like she literally or maybe she was like the first one okay. to do it publicly or whatever but yes she's not she's considered the founder of the gender reveal okay so it's like she's she gagged everyone because she's like it's stupid like we don't know like who these children are until they tell us you know what i mean and i think that that's so scary for people to accept even people our age like or you know people who are younger people who are like um hip and progressive and all those things they're they still hold on to a lot of the dumb shit that they have because they're just like they're so scared of like just letting people be free and i'm like did you all forget you were children you know what I mean? Like, did you forget how your childhood was? And I think that that's what happens with so many adults. They forget that they were kids and they forget what happened in their childhood because they look at children as like these people who don't, who should just be coddled and, and hit, protected from everything and everyone <clears throat> and not be able to see anything or know anything. And that's the worst thing you can do to kids. And I'm like, remember, we were kids. Like, like you, you're turning a blind eye Teachers like, oh, they're just kids. They're not going to do anything bad. And then that's when shit happens, you know? That's when kids do start doing all the sexual stuff because you haven't had a conversation with them about it because they're children. That's when kids do start teasing other people about being queer because you are scared to have a conversation with them about queer people being people just like you. Those are not conversations that need to be had as adults. Those are things that need to be had, um, conversations that need to be had with children because that's when you're, you know, you're formed, you're, you're mental. Like, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? No, so, I know. I had this my discussion. My words are all jumbled. <laughs> You're fine. You're passionate. Oh, thank you. But, but yeah, and that that that's it. Like, I mean, this. I, I want to say one more thing before because I don't girl, wanna, honey, I don't we have time. Here. Okay, but so I used to teach, right? Um, and when I was a teacher, what did you teach? I taught English, um, but then I ta- also taught third grade, which so I taught like everything. But when I was teaching third grade specifically, like there were parents who were like upset that I was their student's teacher. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with y'all? Like they live in the world. You know what I mean? Like there are going to be people who are queer in the world that they're going to have either as a boss one day or they're going to have a coworker and all these things. And you're like trying to, and the kids love me. You know, my kids love me, love me, love me. And you're, you're like trying to get them to not because you're so afraid that if they love me that then they'll grow up to be like me. And it's like they may they might grow up to be like me and that's okay. You know what I mean? But what they need to grow up and be like me is they need to be unafraid to be themselves, you know? And I think that that's what we need to push on our kids. We want our kids to be what we want them to be. And that's the part that, is that everybody has fucked realistic. up. Realistic, yep. A word. A word. Well, I want to thank you so much for being here. Yes, this is really thank dope. Thank you for having me. Of course. I was Definitely nervous coming in today because I was like, oh my God, Rara. No, 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 no. The trap queen. <laughs> listen, listen. She's not really a trap queen, but the rap queen. The rap queen. Yes, yes You yes, know, yes. we're going to do it that way. Okay, you know, I love just, it. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm so excited that we got to have this conversation. Yeah. And thank you so much for coming. No, thank you so much for having me. It's been great. Bye. Bye.